It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be alright. It's gonna be okay. It's a Friday show. Just talk talk like you usually do to the people that listen to the Friday show. Who are the people that listen to the Friday show? Lunatics, madmen, mad women, people that are crazy. People that are super cool though. People that have interesting lives and interesting stories. And they all coalesce here on Friday for the Friday show for the Culture Check Podcast. This is the Friday Show. Welcome back, folks, to another episode on the Culture Jack Podcast. My name is Dustin, and I'll be your host for today's show. I forgot how to do the episode. On the last episode that I did, I I kind of just, I sat around a little bit before the episode, and I did some some musings. I, I talked about life and the universe in audio that will never be aired on this podcast that is fills me with far too much existential dread, but will no doubt terrify anyone that listens to this podcast. So you'll never hear it. But in doing such before the show, I established a cadence and a rhythm that I think carried over into the show and made the show that much better. That's not what I'm talking about here today on the show. I'm talking about all kinds of things on the show today. We're talking about Valve being caught up in a lawsuit, actually losing a lawsuit, the switch release of Apex Legends. We're talking about antitrusts in the EU, EU that are looking to potentially foil Microsoft's purchase of Bethesda. We're talking about uh, the passing of Dustin Diamond. We're talking about the Super Bowl. We're talking about movie universes. And then, of course, we're going to recap the last or latest episode of WandaVision that happened last week. But before we get into all of that, welcome to your Friday. Hopefully your week was incredible. It was a, a sure of a, a dredge of a week for me. I had a dentist appointment. I had to go get my windows fixed on my truck. All kinds of terrible things. All kinds of that. The other guy, he does his own auto work. Yours truly, this guy, I've got a guy for that. And he... He makes sure I know it with the uh, weighty deductions from my from my bank account. Um, speaking of the other fellow, did you get a chance to listen to the Monday Madness show this last week? A great episode, a wonderful episode, and one that if you did miss after you're done listening here, of course, go back to your streaming platform and find that latest episode of the Monday Madness show. He talked uh, a lot about social icons and what kind of builds a character, what kind of builds up an actor or a presence or a businessman into that, that status of being a social icon. What athletes have achieved this level of fame and how it's kind of easier to do or maybe more difficult to do in an age of the internet where everything is connected and you can so easily gain access to a following, to a fandom. I mean, you know, these, these guys do it. We haven't done it as easily here on Culture Jack, but you're here, you're listening, and, and we thank you for that. Speaking of your uh, listenership, I guess you'd call it, thank you so much for all that you've given us in these last few years. We've been doing this this podcast, gosh, I don't know, three years now? And so for those of you that have listened, especially those of you that have listened from the very beginning, 
when we were still doing this in an office together over one microphone. For those of you that have listened through our disbandment and then our reunion and then our, I guess, division of labor as we split off into the Monday Madness podcast and the Friday show podcast. This episode is episode 99, so I won't get a chance to say it to you again, but on Monday we'll hit episode 100 and that's of our numbered episodes that doesn't even include all of the offshoots that we've done the current cultures that we used to do the midweek specials that we do occasionally now so thank you thank you to everyone that's listened and is listening and will continue to listen in the in the future now we've given you so much that's obvious this is clear if we were to ask anything in return from you it would be that you share us with a friend. Tell us, even if they don't enjoy the content, the particular cut of our jive, as it were, maybe they would like the soothing voices that we, we give out. The, the, the adequate sleep aid that we might provide in some of our maybe more lengthy diatribes and ramblings and rants. Anyway, that's, I, that's all I wanted to say on, on the issue there. Uh, so before we get in into the rest of the show, we've got some news for you today, and it's kind of a mismatch of things. Um, we'll start with our gaming news. We've got the Borderlands studio, Gearbox, has been bought by uh, the THQ Nordic parent company, uh, Embracer, and they also apparently bought up Asper in a, in a spending spree lately. This is interesting because... I have seen more than a few in the past year acquisitions of studios by different publishers or different developers, mergers. It makes you think that there is a an eventual future where we are seeing games come out of, you know, maybe two or three big publishing houses. Like, there's going to be a time where developers will be interchangeable, studio heads will move from place to place, although if they make good games, they'll continue serving, but we've seen the abolishment of many different developers under large publishers before we're looking at you, EA. So anyway, there's a, uh, a quote from the company uh, 2K, I guess who previously published the Borderlands game. Um, they said, as the proud publisher of the Borderlands franchise, we are happy for our partners at Gearbox and this exciting new chapter for their organization. The merger does not change 2K's relationship with Gearbox, nor our role as the publisher for the Borderlands IP or any other projects we are currently working on with the studio. We look forward to continuing our long-term partnership with this incredibly talented team and delivering many more exciting entertainment experiences to gaming fans around the world. In other news, like I talked about at the beginning of the episode, Valve lost that lawsuit on their uh, Steam controller patent. They were fined $4 million, and uh, it was a, a jury that voted unanimously against Valve uh, in damages to Ironberg Inventions and SCUF. And this was from a complaint that was filed back in 2015, and the there's a there's a light right there. Is that light on my screen? No, it's right on my uh, 
It's right on my picture. So if you're watching the Facebook video, I got a light right on me. It looks very angelic. So if you were thinking, my, Dustin, you are you are looking like an angel today. I mean, that's true. I got the taco meat out here for you tonight. I can't wait to get to bed because I'm recording this at an ungodly hour yet again. I have a cube pillow now. Now, this cube pillow, for all of you side sleepers out here, I, I love this thing. Oh, my gosh. It's so great for my shoulder. And I have an eye disorder called epithelial basement layer membrane dystrophy or fingerprint.map dystrophy. I'll talk talk to you about that later but basically my corneas are falling off and my dry eyes at night don't help but this pillow this cube pillow is amazing anyway back to valve so um from the article here scuf and ironberg invention subsidiaries uh, of uh, computer company corsair uh, are known for its custom high performance video game controllers specializing in both accessories and customized gear uh, SCUF holds 105 patents for its designs, uh, many of which relate to the special triggering mechanisms on the rear side control surfaces. And so they uh, licensed some similar technology to Microsoft for their Elite controller. So if you remember the Elite controller, it had the triggers on the back that you could apply. Uh, and then they also partnered with Sony in 2018 on a PlayStation 4 controller that included four back paddles uh, and its signature trigger extender. So apparently Valve just kind of, they threw caution to the wind and they said, we're going to use the same design. And this is a design that SCUF has and it didn't work out well for them. They owed $4 million. So I don't know if that means that they are going to have to redesign a controller or not. Or if they just pay the $4 million and go on their way, um, most likely they have to re redesign it. For those Switch users out there, Apex Legends is coming to the Nintendo Switch. It's being ported over on March 9th. Just in time to be, I guess, late for Season 8. By the way, Season 8 is out. But I have abysmal download speeds right now. I'm, I'm downloading the update to Cyberpunk 2077. And I'm, I'm downloading at a whopping 500 kbps. So people may not even be familiar with that download speed, but that's kilobytes per second. It's going to take me four days to download this update. It's ridiculous. Uh, what else? Uh, other Nintendo Switch news. Okay, so we talked about last week. We talked about GameStop, and we talked about their stock, and we talked about GameStonks, and we talked about Elon Musk. The thing about it is there was this guy uh this guy what is his name hunter khan who he made like thirty thousand dollars over this whole stock debacle and he wanted to pay it forward so he, what he did is he went to as many game stops as he could find and he bought up nine nintendo switches and he donated them to a uh looks like a, a, a ch local children's hospital so let's see. He he had some quotes here that I thought were just I thought they were just great. Not all heroes wear wear capes, am I right? So Hunter Khan said, um, let's see. He's a cool dude, so we'll give him a cool dude voice. This is somewhat a transfer of power from the big guys to the little guys, or at least uh an eye awakening. Um saying, uh, hey, we're just as much in this game as you guys are. There's nothing special about y'all. Um, but with that transfer of power, 
Khan said he saw an obligation to do something morally beneficial. It would be meaningless if the money went uh, from one side to the other and we behaved in the same way that we're criticizing the top dogs. So we have to change our manner of behavior in some way. And I thought it would be appropriate if I used my money for good to help prevent myself from becoming a man in a suit. Uh, He said he had to go to several GameStop stores to buy nine Nintendo Switches and nine video games to give to uh, Children's Minnesota Hospital. So anybody listening from Minnesota out there or the area, congratulations, you got a good one out there. Uh, This guy's, he's donating Switches to the hospital. That's really cool. Uh, I know that a lot of my friends, a lot of people around me in my community have spent time uh, at at Children's. Uh, Khan said uh, of why he chose to donate to the hospital. He showed He showed up at the hospital this week unannounced with the video game hall. I just walked up to the front desk. I didn't actually uh, get to give it out to the kids or anything like that. I'm sure that even without COVID, there's like security reasons why they can't do that, which would make sense, Khan said. But they made it super easy to donate. I just walked in, walked up to the front desk and said, hey, I'd like to give you guys these switches. And the dude sitting there was like, oh, awesome. Thank you. So I thought that was a really feel-good story. Um, made the headlines, all the all the big newspapers and websites. But it's cool, man. It's cool. I guess before he said that he was going to buy a Porsche with some uh, some of the money, um, but that's thirty thousand dollars. I don't know how much a Porsche is, but I I think it's probably more than thirty thousand dollars. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe someone else on this podcast with a little more automotive knowledge might be able to shed some light some wisdom on how much a Porsche costs. I guess I could look it up too, but I'm not going to do that. I already, I already stacked out this podcast for how I want to present it and what I want to deliver in it. So I think, I think I'll just stick to that. Thank you. So this is another piece of news that might upset some of you out there. It sure upset me when I heard it for the first time, the PlayStation five and Xbox series X scalpers have made millions of of dollars. So according to this article here, uh, in the case of Sony and Microsoft's next gen consoles, the data shows that scalpers have accumulated a collective $58 million in sales since pre-orders for the systems began. The majority of this has been a result of reselling PlayStation five consoles, which accounts for over 34 million of the total sales with Xbox series X and S accounting for an estimated 23 million in comparison. As for the total profits, uh, wants accounting for the cost of managing these scalping enterprises, the practice has amassed a full $29 million in profitable earnings from the next-gen consoles. So what's this, what this means, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, there's a price that we would be willing to pay above and beyond what the price costs in the store for one of these consoles, especially to get it a little bit early, especially if we had the amount of hype that we did when we bought the ones that we bought. And so we are part of the problem. And obviously there's people out there willing to spend two, three, $500 more above retail value uh, to get one of these things as well. So we're part of the problem. You make $29 million off of illicit. They're not illicit. I mean, they are kind of illicit. These kinds of sales 
these kinds of sales are going to continue. That's just, that's basic economics. And you could take it from me, I'm an internet personality. Another piece of news, Google Stadia closes in-house game development studio. Uh, there's a lack of exclusive content for streaming gaming service. Uh, hits hits a plan to compete with uh, Nintendo and Sony. And so, <laughs> no Microsoft? You know what? Get out of town. So, they're, they're shutting down their, their in-house studio, basically, which... <sighs> You know, is this is this a sign that portends to a eventual destruction or downfall of Google Stadia? So in a blog post from Phil Harrison, the former Microsoft and Sony executive who was hired to mastermind Google's push into console gaming, um, he confirmed that it was scaling back its ambitions, in this case, making original exclusive content, but insisted the company's core vision of having games streamed to any screen was still achievable. So he said, uh, In 2021, we're expanding our efforts to help game developers and publishers take advantage of our platform technology and deliver games directly to their players, Harrison said. We see an important opportunity to work with partners seeking a gaming solution all built on Stadia's advanced technical infrastructure and platform tools. We believe this is the best best path to building Stadia into a long-term, sustainable business that helps grow the industry. So, you know, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Stadia already floundering, already with not as much of a subscription base, already costing way too much for the average consumer, already having to contend with internet speeds, with connection. I just said I had a 500 kilobyte per second download speed on my Xbox currently out in the middle of the woods in Alaska or, you know, what could be considered the size of my town. So how is it that this service that is so reliant on the internet will be able to take advantage of consumers like me? I'm already out of their target demographic. So I think without exclusive games, their subscriber base their, uh, I guess, attractiveness to the average video game consumer has got to be has got to be much much lower. So maybe bad news for Microsoft, but most likely not. EU antitrust regulators to rule on Microsoft's 7.5 billion ZeniMax acquisition by March. So remember last year, near the end of last year, we reported that. Well, we and everyone else reported that Bethesda was gobbled up by Microsoft, well, ZeniMax, and then Bethesda by proxy, being one of the one of the port keys of ZeniMax. There is uh, some, I, maybe some news going to come out middle of March about this EU antitrust, and they're going to decide whether the sale will be able to proceed, and most likely it will be able to proceed. Whether that means it will proceed as is or there will be other stipulations added to the purchase, but most likely the purchase will go through. Oh, this is a fun one. Cyberpunk 2077 and No Man's Sky developers, those guys' lies are called out by Ori developer. Now, if you recall, Ori and the Will of the Wisps was one of the two games of the year 
for Culture Jacked. So I know a lot of you were, were hedging your bets, waiting to make that video game purchase until you heard what the games of the year from Culture Jacked were. One of them's Ori and the Will of the Wisps. If you haven't played The Blind Forest, go, go do that first. But Will of the Wisps, amazing game. And now I love it even more just because of what this developer had to say. So Moon Studios founder and Ori series director Thomas Mahler took to Reset Era to rant about big games that are sold on ambitious yet false promises. <clears throat> in the aftermath, Thomas Muller weighed in on the matter on Reset Era and expressed his frustration with Cyberpunk 2077, saying that the developers' promises were so high they stopped... Let's see, what's a good voice for Thomas Muller? He's a badass. He's super cool. So maybe he's got a little bit of rock in him, huh? All right, that's it. That's Thomas Mollett. I think he's Polish, so maybe that's not right. But that's what we're going with. All right, so he said, uh, the promises were so high that they stopped short of outright saying that this thing would cure cancer. He went on uh, to take No Man's Sky to task as well, which has since improved. Back in 2014, I remember some journalist from some big publication telling us that Ori almost got the cover article of some magazine I read frequently. But ultimately, they had to pick No Man's Sky because it was the bigger game. I kind of agreed back then, thinking to myself, okay, I get it. They have to promote the bigger game. They obviously have to go for the clicks. It sucks, but that's how the game is played. But then, I felt really bamboozled once No Man's Sky came out, and it became clear that all this hype was really just built on lies. And the honest guy who just showed up his actual product really got kicked in the balls, because the lying guy was able to make up some tall tales that held absolutely no substance, said Mahler. Mahler also noted that the excuses, <laughs> this is where it hit me, this is where it hurt me the most, made up by fans or journalists are infuriating and don't help the issue. <clears throat> and yet, gamers and journalists don't really seem to mind that much at all. Yeah, the backlash is coming, but usually you see a ton of people then arguing that they like the game that came out of it anyway. That is so not the point. It doesn't matter if the snake oil actually tastes fine. Don't sell me on features that don't exist. Don't paint a picture that you'll not be able to deliver. Just don't fucking lie to me. You're fucking over gamers. You're fucking over journalists. You should know better, so shame on you. And you're fucking over other developers. So that's what he had to say, and... Man, it stings because I know I'm part of that problem. I know I said, yeah, Cyberpunk's got some bugs, but, you know, it's still really fun. It's still really what I want. And that doesn't change. <laughs> I still enjoy Cyberpunk. I still think it's a cool game. But he's right. We shouldn't be sold a bill of goods. We shouldn't be sold this thing that isn't even a real thing. We should be sold what we're being sold. So I, I thought that was an interesting article by him. Uh, will it continue? 
No, of course it won't, because they don't face the consequences that they should. These game developers that lie. What did Cyberpunk 2077 do? It did like $8 million in pre-sales for a little bit of bad PR, for things that they're going to fix, for what's probably going to turn out to be an alright game eventually, just like No Man's Sky. That's not going to change. They're not going to change anything, because that business model, the fact of lying, hyping, and then getting paid to do a little public apology later, it's good business. Um... All right, so that's it for gaming news. Let's move on to some movie news. I know you're waiting for it. I know you like it. You like my duct tape? If you're not watching, this will make no sense. And even, I might not even put this in the uh, in the Facebook video. So if you hear this on the podcast, go find the Facebook video, and then you'll see what the duct tape's about. I'm wearing some illegally branded material, and I cannot have that showing up in this podcast, seen by the literally dozens of viewers that it might be seen by. Okay, on to movie news. I saw a commercial where I, while I was browsing Facebook, speak of the devil, that had, what's that guy's name? Jeff, Jeff Prost? Jeff Probst? Probst? Who's the Survivor guy? The host of Survivor. Had like Snooky as well. They're all walking up the side of the Paramount Mountain. It was an announcement for another streaming service. And so it's called Paramount Plus. So if you didn't have enough streaming services already, and I saw a really good meme about streaming streaming services. I'm sure you've seen it, but it's um, a, a person who they, they're looking at the TV and it's got a Netflix icon on it. And they're like, wow, this is pretty cool. And then they put their pirate hat in a chest and they said, so long, old friend, I don't need you anymore. And then uh, it showed the next frame. There was a bunch of different there's a hulu and netflix and hbo and cbs which i think this is yeah this is viacom cbs so this is what the cbs streaming service turned into is this paramount plus and then they go back to that chest and they pull out the pi pirate hat with the cobwebs and they say hello old friend so netflix had solved the problem all of these other streaming services have created a problem where there was was none or have created an a new problem that was an old problem because that was the problem with cable, right? You had to get all these channels just to get the few shows that you wanted. Now you got to get all these streaming services just to get the few shows that you wanted. People are going to go where the, go where the movies are. So anyway, uh, this Paramount plus is going to go live in us and Latin America on March 4th, the Nordics on March 25th and Australia by the middle of the year. Uh, let's see other news. Dustin Diamonds, uh, Saved by the Bell star. He has died uh, at 44 years old. There were some touching tributes online. And in his later years, especially, he became a controversial character. But 44 years old is it's pretty young to die. Um, like I said, a lot of touching tributes online. Yeah, his, his family said that he died at peace. But... Uh, Rest in peace, Dustin Diamond. If we shared nothing else in common, it sure was a great first name, and it's sad to see a Dustin go. That's Put that on my tombstone as well. It's sad to see a Dustin go. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, Disney is supposed to be airing two to four trailers during the Super Bowl, and it's really funny to think this may be the second 
Super Bowl that we get a Black Widow trailer. Disney. Disney. Psst. I know you guys are listening. Bob Iger. Bob, if you're listening to the podcast, please release Black Widow onto Disney+. Plus. Do it. So that's surprising that we're going to get two Black Widow uh, trailers or a Black Widow trailer in two Super Bowls. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. And it's not. So we need to get that streaming as soon as we can. So some of these that are expected to be released are uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, and more. TBD. To be continued. Uh, This is not news. But in Monday Madness, uh, it was talked about the HBO Max show The Little Things. So this is one of the would-be theater releases that, though it is being released in theaters as well, it's also concurrently being released on the streaming service HBO Max. And this is one where I've got to say, I, I wouldn't have gone and seen this in the theater. Like, this isn't a movie that I would pick up and go see, but because it was streaming on HBO Max... I saw it. I watched it. Um, it's got Denzel Washington, Rami Malek. And one thing I noticed about Rami Malek, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he and Pete Davidson look like they could be related. I don't know if it's just like the sunken eyes or the the sunken face, or maybe they're they're both like wiry, skinny fellas. So maybe that's maybe that's why I think that. I'm not sure. And then Jared Leto was in it. Jared Leto in this movie was amazing. I I couldn't remember who the third actor was in it because Denzel Washington, he looks like Denzel Washington. He's got the same mannerisms that he he that Denzel Washington has in all of his movies. Rami Malek, you could he's a very unique and easily identifiable character. Though I could understand that you might get him mixed up with Pete Davidson, but uh, I forgot who the third actor was as I was watching. I was like, who is that guy? And he put on this incredible performance as kind of a, a crime junkie, I want to say. And he just, uh, he played a, a marvelous, marvelous uh, part. As for how the movie was, it was okay. It's not my type of movie. And, I don't want to spoil you, uh, spoil anything for you for the movie, especially if you're going to go see it. So I won't spoil it for you. I will say that you will have movie blue balls this entire movie. It's like, here I am at the edge of the point. Here I am at the edge of the point. I'm never going to reach the point. And there's some there's been some artistic interpretations I've seen about it online and those don't just they just don't cut it for me. Hit me up on the Facebook page and we'll talk about the little things. Is that or maybe I'll talk about it with spoilers later after it's had some time to you know settle out. What else do we have here? Uh, Marvel Comics writer Craig Kyle and Marvel Animation writer Greg Johnson serve as showrunners for Pacific Rim, The Black. So this is the new anime-style Pacific Rim movie that's going to Netflix. It's going to be on Netflix on March 4th, so we don't have to wait too much longer to see it. Um, 
what do I think about this trailer? There's a trailer out, and it it is done in an anime style that I am not a fan of, and that is kind of this molding together of traditional anime stylings with like a 3D animation. I mean, much worse is the 2D animation plus 3D animation in the same, I'm looking at you, Initial D. <laughs> I say that because I know it's a favorite of the Monday Madness show. Anyway, <clears throat> it's got this weird, weird kind of mesh together style that I just, I can't ever wrap my head around it. There were a couple that were done really well, like Ergo Proxy. Super cool, super great. The Berserk series on Netflix, super cool, super great. But man, I just, I don't know. It, like, it takes a really good story, really good action sequences to draw me in to one with animation style like this. Go check out, go check out the, um, the trailer online. <laughs> Make your own decisions. Stop relying on Culture Jacked for every one of your life's choices. I mean, I know it's tempting. I know we have a lot of good information, advice, wisdom. We have a lot of good experience that could be applicable to you and your life. However, you gotta you gotta spread those wings. You gotta get out there and fly. You can't depend on on us for everything. In other movie news, a Wakanda series is coming to Disney Plus, and uh, it's gonna be directed. It's gonna be the showrunner is Ryan Coogler. So the same director for Black Panther and Black Panther 2. Uh, let's see. So the article says uh, it is going to be based on the kingdom of Wakanda. And they have signed a five-year exclusive TV deal with Coogler's Proximity Media. And the series is one of the projects the Black Panther uh, director and co-writer will be working on for the company's streaming services. And the series is one of the projects... Does that mean Ryan Coogler's doing more things on Disney Plus? Interesting, interesting. The deal could lead to more shows developed by Proximity Media as well, though Marvel's announcement didn't mention anything about the potential new shows. Uh, let's see. He's got something to say. He said his production company is already in the mix in some projects. He also revealed that Proximity will be working closely with Kevin Feige, Luis D'Esposito, Victoria Alonso, and their partners at Marvel Studios on select MCU shows for Disney. Disney Plus. And so that sounds like to me that Ryan Coogler will maybe be directing some of the other shows or writing some of the other shows for some of the other series. You know, like uh, John Favreau. John Favreau? What's his name? Favreau. Who is Favreau? Is it John Favreau? Who is Favreau anyway? I'm Favreau. You're Favreau. Look at my taco meat. What? That's strange. Uh, so Bob Iger, the executive chairman at the Walt Disney Company, said he's an, he's an older fellow, I imagine. Let's give him an old man voice. Ryan Coogler is a singular storyteller whose vision and range have made him one of the standout filmmakers of this generation. With Black Panther, Ryan brought a groundbreaking story and iconic characters to life in a real, meaningful, and memorable way, creating a watershed cultural moment. 
We're thrilled to strengthen our relationship and look forward to telling more great stories with Ryan and his team. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's great because Wakanda is a very different, a very different corner of the MCU. I mean, there's Wakanda, there's space, and there's New York. That's where the MCU takes place, basically. And so it's nice to see, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy kind of explore that space, that, you know, out there, extraterrestrial environment, Thor, kind of exploring that space thing, you know, Thor 4, Love and Thunder, I assume will. Probably a lot of it will be based in New York, too. But we've had, you know, this one, well, two, if you count uh, Infinity War Endgame, experience with Wakanda. And so there's a lot more to Wakanda that I'd love to see being developed. And that I think is one thing that's so interesting about these Disney shows too, like WandaVision is it is a perfect opportunity for lore building, world building, and just in-depth character development that you would not get if you just had the movies to go off of. So I think that's so cool. Uh, and I'm very excited about it. More Disney news. Edgar Wright talks about reconnecting with Kevin Feige uh, for the latest issue of Empire. And so it was on their podcast that he revealed uh, when he reached out to Kevin Feige, it was the first time the two had spoken since he left Ant-Man in 2014. And apparently it was because uh, preparation for this podcast. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. I don't know Edgar Wright. He sounds very spooky. We'll give him a spooky. <clears throat> I'll be honest. I had not spoken to Kevin since I walked off Ant-Man in 2014. You know, there wasn't any. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing Batman. I'm just going <coughs> to. Oh, I'm dying. I'm dying. That voice killed me. That wasn't a good one for the for the old throat, especially I don't have any water near me. I, I need to get to water. I've been in this desert for seven days. Okay. Uh, what was he saying? He was saying, you know, there wasn't any real animosity or outright hostility between us. It was all very diplomatic at the time. But in that situation, you go your separate ways and there was no reason to get back in touch. So I just had never spoken to him or vice versa. Aside from the movie itself, we had been good friends so it was a sad thing. Aside from the professional aspect of it, we had been good pals. Uh, but he said, or he was talking about, as he was putting together this Empire issue, he knew he couldn't ignore Marvel. He specifically noted how fans on Twitter were pointing to Cap wielding Mjolnir, Hulk smashing Loki, and Black Panther as memorable theater moments. So he reached out to Feige, and the two ended up uh, reconnecting in a really sweet way. Uh, so he, he went on to say, I thought it would be disingenuous of me to get through this article without mentioning the M word wants. So I did what I hadn't done in six years. I just emailed Kevin. It was, was a really nice thing. And Kevin uh, was really touched that I'd reached out to him directly and just said, Hey, so it was funny after six years of no contact to email him just saying, Kevin, I need you to write something for me and I need it tomorrow. <laughs> it was Nice. We basically reconnected over this article and it was very sweet. Um, so it was to this day, we don't know why Disney and Marvel 
parted ways with Edgar Wright. I think it was uh, the, you know, the standard bearer of excuses. There was creative differences. Um, but this article talks about Ike Perlmutter, and it's not the first time I've seen this guy's name either. He, I guess he was the head um, of the, the Marvel Creative Committee, and he was uh, the head of like the television side of Marvel, and he notoriously destroyed things like the Inhumans. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to have to dive into this Ike Perlmutter guy and kind of the evolution of maybe Marvel Studios and Marvel Cinematic Universe later. Don't let me forget, guys. I mean, I write all this stuff down. I write down all these ideas for these shows, but it'd be nice if you got on Facebook once in a while or on Twitter or sent us an email and said, hey, what about that Ike Perlmutter thing that you were going to do? Let us know about that. Uh, in other news, why Cloverfield 2 is finally happening after 13 years, I'm not going to tell you why. I don't care to know that it's why, but there is a sequel to Cloverfield coming. And like a proper sequel, too. Because we had, what was it, 10 Cloverfield Lane? The one with John Goodman where he, he kept those people in his basement and was dissolving them in acid? <laughs> Spoiler alert for 10 Clo Cloverfield Lane, I guess. That was kind of tangentially related to Cloverfield. And then we had the Cloverfield paradox that was surprise dropped on Netflix because apparently none of the big uh, theater chains wanted to pick it up or I don't know, but it was dropped on Netflix and that was one like space. And then they came out at the end and there was the monster there at the end, but the like hands were falling off and they were crawling in the walls it was like a weird time-space distortion thing. had something to do with resource uh, kind of wars or something. I don't know. But anyway, Cloverfield 2 is going to come out. Ryan Reynolds uh, says that uh, Deadpool 3, had it still been developed at Fox, would have been a Wade Wilson and Wolverine kind of road trip movie. So... This article says he's most likely joking, and there's never any telling with Ryan Reynolds. He's kind of a silly, silly guy. But he, I, I kind of think that if there were to be such a thing, it would be good in the MCU. Because like I mentioned on the last episode, there is a dimension hopping aspect and multiverse aspect that we can get now because we've had multiple universes to develop these Marvel characters that we wouldn't have been able to get if they were all under one roof. Roof. I went very French for that. That was for my French audience. Uh, thank you very much if you're under a roof eating a baguette. Terribly stereotypical, but hey, we did it anyway. So I think this plan would even work under regular MCU. And I couldn't end the show. I'm not ending the show, but I couldn't end it. I will end it at some point. The show is not going to go on forever. It's not going to be one of those things that will continue until the end of time. I'm sorry, but it has to end sometime. But that time is not now. But I couldn't end the show. Not that I would, but I couldn't end the show without talking about Lady Dimitrescu. Is that how you pronounce her name? She is the vampire woman from the Resident Evil Village demo that was sent out. And the internet is very, very excited about this lady. She's a vampire, 
She is also, as confirmed by Capcom, she is nine and a half feet tall. And I can't remember what the name... <laughs> what the name the internet has given her, but it's something along the lines of Big Mommy uh, Moo Moo Milkers or something like that. A lot of people are are desiring to be stepped on her, by her, to be choked by her. A lot of y'all are very, very weird. And as I've heard, but have not personally investigated myself, but think I will do so after this podcast. Thank you very much. Rule 34 is still strong and strong and popping on the Internet. And so there apparently is some stuff out there with her in it. And the last bit of movie news before I jump into what makes a multiverse is there was a a trailer for Godzilla versus Kong. And this is also another Internet darling right now. It's got a release date, March 31st. Uh, of this year, and this is another one that's going to be coming straight to HBO Max. I believe this is the one that they said there was going to be a $250 million deal to put it on HBO Max specifically, so I wouldn't be surprised if some of the other movies follow up in that fashion as well. But Godzilla vs. Kong had a trailer. It looks awesome, looks amazing, and as inspiration to that, my son... He has been asking to watch the Godzilla movie for quite some time now. And this trailer came out, and so I obliged him, and we watched Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla, together. Great movie. I don't think I'd seen it from start to finish. And then we watched Kong Skull Island, also an amazing movie that I hadn't seen fully but did this time. And then finally, we watched, I think it was last year's, no, year before last, 2019, was it 2020? The new Godzilla, King of Monsters movie. That one at the end, it had me so good, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I thought Ghidorah was coming up out of that pile of rubble. No, it was something much, much different. So I'm very excited to see this because this is a experience I'm sharing with my son he only had to uh, had to get out of bed because he was having nightmares one time. There's a lot of, like, these things are PG-13 for the most part, I think. But there is a lot of very graphic things that happen to these people. <laughs> and I'm not very, I'm not a good, um, I guess, curator for my child. Anyway, he's got to grow up sometime, am I right? So this got me thinking. Godzilla versus Kong and the monster verse that they are so delicately crafting together with these four movies got me thinking what makes a good multiverse and I don't have this is not a a scripted section of the podcast like I would usually do for one of these parts I have listed out a bunch of universes because I was like what even what universes are there what shared cinema universes are there so I've listed out a bunch of them and I just was gonna I guess roll through them I don't really know what I was gonna do but what makes a good movie universe and a good shared experience maybe movie maybe tv maybe maybe both or maybe beyond that to comic books as well so we've got this monster universe that's being developed here i don't know what comes next after godzilla versus kong 
Like that seems to be the the end point. I mean, I guess Godzilla could continue to fight monsters and Kong could continue to, well, I guess he hasn't scaled a building yet with this particular franchise, but is a universe four movies? Is a universe a series of sequels or does it, does it need to be made of something more than that? Like we had the matrix back in 98 and there were three movies that came from the matrix. There's a fourth one that's coming out this year. I'm very excited, but is that a movie universe? They had the animatrix that was built in the matrix universe. So I guess, yeah. Did they have games that weren't at direct adaptations of the movies, but moreover games that bled over into that universe? One of the most successful shared universes that I can think of is the star Wars universe. Like star Wars, they've had nine mainline movies. They've had a couple of offshoot movies. They've had the, the clone wars. There are multiple, multiple books and comics that, just kind of tie the whole thing together. So it's, it's fun to think that you, George Lucas and whoever his co-conspirators were at the time could concoct a plan for a story and that that story be so maybe profound or maybe affecting or in whatever way inspiring to other authors and artists that they would want to continue that story and that they have built such a fun and interesting sandbox from that story that people would want to continue playing in it, continue creating in it and continue consuming in, in and enjoying it. There's another one I put down here, the Lord of the Rings universe, the Tolkien verse. You got the Lord of the Rings movies you got the Hobbit movies. What else do you have? I mean, I, I guess you've got the books, but those are based on those things. Are there other offshoots that go into the Lord of the Rings that make it a shared universe? Or do just these two sets of threequels make it a shared universe? I don't know. I, don't, I, guess, I guess like beauty... A shared cinematic or other universe is in the eye of the beholder. My buddy, <laughs> my buddy told me a joke. He said, if there's a bee in your hand, what's in your eye? Well, it's beauty because beauty is in the eye of the beeholder. <laughs> Van, if you're listening, thank you for the wonderful joke. You've just disappointed as many people as you disappointed when you told me. Wait, there's more than one person listening to this. Maybe not at a time. If you're listening to this podcast with someone else, stop. You each have to listen to it once separately. We got to pump up those numbers or rookie numbers. What about the Toy Story universe or the Pixar universe? I mean, that's one that's pretty interesting. That's pretty expansive because you got Toy Story. You got all the Monsters, Inc., movies and how how intricately do, do your movies have to be involved with one another for it to be considered a universe like is one character popping in and saying hello and then the audience going 
I can't believe they included him in the universe. <gasps> I didn't know she'd show up. Or maybe the mention of a character's name. Or maybe a shared location. Can it be something as simple as an Easter egg that makes your universe a universe? I haven't watched many of the movies, but what about the Conjuring universe and Annabelle? I mean, that's a universe. And I think those ones have pretty specific through lines, pretty intricately shared details. The mummy verse that Tom Cruise tried to start. The Invisible Man was supposed to be part of that. Is that going to be a universe? What kind of team-up movie are they going to make? I saw an article somewhere online that said something like that's not going to happen. Some guy thinks it's impossible. It's going to be too expensive. The DC Extended Universe. How disjointed can a universe be for it to continue being considered a universe. We had the Superman movies. We had Aquaman. We had Shazam. We had the Justice League. Batman vs. Superman. These movies are not... They're not sharing the same kind of connective tissue that the MCU, as a, I guess, probably the best comparison on this list as the MCU does. So how disjointed can they become before they're not considered being part of a universe? The same thing with Unbreakable. So Unbreakable, is that a universe? I'm sure there were comic spinoffs of Unbreakable. There had to be. But they, basically you had those three movies, right? You had Glass, you had Unbreakable. And what was the other one? Glass was the last one. Unbreakable is the first one. You know, sometimes I, I really just, I get taken out of my moment when I'm podcasting. I get taken out of my own head and I have just, my my soul lifts from my body and it flies into the ether. And I I come come back on earth next to you who are listening to this podcast at a future date because it's pre-recorded. And I sit there and I watch you as you listen to this podcast and you're just screaming at your earbuds telling me the name of this movie. What is the name of this movie? He had split personalities. Split? Was it split? It might have been split. Something split. Maybe it's just split. All right. I got there. I got there. I'm really proud of myself, and you should be too, because you helped me. Your screaming into your earbuds got me there, got me to that place where I remember the name of the movie was most likely Split. Might not have been, but it most likely was. There's the horror universes, like Freddy versus Jason. The, did I put it on this list? Alien and Predator. Yeah, Predator versus Alien. One of the best universes that I could think of and that I could find while I was making up this list is the Clerks universe. So I can't remember which. I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to the Weekly Planet. No, it wasn't the Weekly Planet. It was This Week in Marvel. And This Week in Marvel had on as a guest Auntie Donna sketch comedy group. The creators of Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun on Netflix. Great series, by the way, if you did not see it. And I forgot to mention that in my uh, 
TV show of the year considerations that Utopia actually won. So, again, if you were waiting for a show to watch, watch Utopia because that's the Culture Jacked game, not game, TV show of the year. One of the, t- one of the two. Uh, regardless, so Auntie Donna was on This Week in Marvel, and in, on This Week in Marvel, they were talking about Kevin Feige and his shared universe where Jay and Silent Bob would show up in different movies. But then that was also kind of uh, inspired Kevin Smith, the the creator of these shows, of these movies, was inspired by comic books and how they all shared a connective tissue. And that, in turn, was also inspiration. Like, the Clerks universe was inspiration for a shared universe in the Marvel movies as well. So it's it's all circular. It all comes together. You are me. I am you. The universe is one. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, are we part of a shared universe? We are. Because if if I'm in your earbuds right now, you're in my universe, and I'm in your universe as well. So maybe life is the greatest shared universe that there that there ever was. What other universes did I put down? Soap opera universes, general hospital universe also all my children one life to live those days of our life part of that universe or not or maybe days of our life and general hospital were like the marvel and dc of daytime soap operas maybe they'll do one massive crossover (gasps) wouldn't that be amazing if we got a dc marvel crossover movie how would that work I mean, I guess it would work similarly to how the Spider-Man deal worked with Sony and Disney. What if in Flashpoint, some Marvel characters showed up? Or what if in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, Superman walked out of that portal? This is amazing. This is amazing. I don't need the the movie because I'm imagining it right now. And it is amazing. I mean, half of the movie's better than the other half. You know what half I'm talking about. The DC half, of course. (laughs) Apparently, as I was was doing this list together, Magnum P.I. is part of the Murder, She Wrote-iverse. Law & Order has a huge, expansive series of shows, and I didn't think that they were interconnected, but apparently they are, and there is some connective tissue going through all of them. Muppets is part of Fraggle Rock, is part of Sesame Street. So there's a universe you didn't know about. Everything in the WWE, maybe that's just one. Is that one example? I don't know. The Walking Dead. got Fear the Walking Dead. There's going to be a movie coming out. Should we count, should we count shared universes that appear... In comic books, if they are the direct inspiration for that shared universe. That seems a little too cheeky to me. That seems like it's a little unfair. And a universe should have to have, if appearing in separate mediums, not adaptation, but expansion. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Because you wouldn't want a WandaVision show that's just an adaptation of the Age of Ultron, the movie. Although I guess that's what they're doing with the comics. But that's a different universe. There's disparate movies, disparate characters. The Arrowverse on the CW is a great, a great universe. Old Marvel TV universes, X-Men, Fantastic Four. Now, that's one of the things. Like, they had two Fantastic Four movies, and then they had the 2015 Fantastic Four movie. And none of those crossed over with the X-Men at all. Now, that's a shame. Like, you had both of those licenses, and you completely bungled it up. I know I've recently been singing the praises of there being two separate universes, the Fox universe and then the Disney universe. But lately, more and more, I guess not lately, I guess just right now, I'm really upset because (laughs) they wasted that opportunity. It was so good. It was so close. It was right there. (sighs) Old Marvel TV, too, like you had the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You had the Inhumans that they bungled up. (laughs) I heard it was really bad. But there was a bunch of other uh, X-Men shows, too. Not X-Men shows, but mutant shows. There was the Runaways, Legion. I watched Legion. Legion was really good, so Legion did it all right. And then you've got the, the Mother of All Universes. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. What makes the Marvel Cinematic Universe so appealing to people like me? I mean, you know, downtrodden hermits that have 500 kilobytes per second download speed and talk almost exclusively about comic book movies and video games. I don't know. It feels like it's just... It's part of something bigger. Like if you've ever read a book series that's just really sucked you in and you want to know what happens next. Oh, that's another thing. Like Stephen King, he's got an incredible shared universes. Quentin Tarantino has really good universes as well. Although his universes are more just slightly attached. Like Django Unchained was a movie in Pulp Fiction, maybe, or something. Like, the universes are connected just only slightly and very, very minimally, I think. Yeah, but it's interesting to see, like, where the where the separation comes from. Is it a movie and then a sequel and there's your universe? I mean, I guess it is. Because you're expanding on characters and stories and arcs. Or does it have to be something that's a completely different story but is related to the first story? And just like Marvel did it and they built up all these individual stories that were slightly connected and and a little self-referential but then also referencing other parts of the universe coming together in something that really shows that these universes are connected. Maybe. Maybe it is. That's all I've got to say about universes. I'm done talking about universes because when I talk about universes, I think about our universe. And then I think about how insignificantly small 
I am and you are in this universe. So instead, I'm going to talk about maybe someone who's creating their own universe. That's right. Wanda, the Scarlet Witch from WandaVision. We just had episode four last week. By the time this episode airs, episode number five will be out. Did everyone get a chance to see episode number four? I'm going to give you the chance to turn off the podcast now because this is the last thing that I'm going to talk about and it is going to have spoilers for episode four. Before I talk about it though, just since you're not going to stick around to the end, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. Make sure to check out our Facebook page and our Twitter account. Email us at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. Come back next week. Stay tuned for Monday Madness. Okay, now that everyone, all the losers that haven't seen, <laughs> all, all these suckers that haven't seen episode four of WandaVision, now that they're all gone, let's talk about WandaVision. Just me and you. Just, <laughs> just all of us together. So WandaVision episode four, it starts with Monica Rambeau, who we just saw get ejected from Westview in episode three, we see her uh, getting snapped back into reality. Apparently, she was one of the victims of Thanos' snap. And so when Hulk snapped his fingers in Endgame, she came back, and she came back in the hospital where she was with her mother five years earlier. And she comes back to this just chaotic mess of a world. And already this episode has changed because we are no longer in the format of an old sitcom. We are in the format of a modern television show. We are in the, this is very meta, very fourth wall breaking stuff, but she's back and the, the hospital's in chaos because everyone has come back and She's looking for her mom. Eventually, she sees a doctor that she knows, and she tells her that her mother passed away three years prior. Now, this catches her off guard. She's like, I was just sleeping for 20 minutes. She ends up going back to an agency called S.W.O.R.D., which her mother was in development of. And uh, a lot of people on the Internet noted that S.W.O.R.D., which in the comics stood for Sentient World observation, uh, sentient world observation and response division now stood for sentient weapon observation and response division. So that's an interesting change. And it's been noted that that is not a surprising title change because we do have vision as one of the main characters of this show who is basically a sentient weapon. Right. Some people said that Wanda's is a sentient weapon, too. No, you numb nuts. She's a she's a person with powers. Let's not get those confused. It's an AI person. We are not going to assign vision a soul today. <laughs> you can do whatever you want with the vision. He's a fictional character. Do it. So uh, some people also noting that there are not manned missions presently at sword because they're very understaffed all uh half of the staff went away the new director said after the snap after the blip after the decimation 
And so no man missions right now, but is this a setup for a potential space flight by one Reed Richard, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, and Ben Grimm, the Fantastic Four? Is this the setup that they're going to have to bring them into the universe? Now, S.W.O.R.D. has been established. Maria Rambo, Monica's mother, established S.W.O.R.D. She was the director of S.W.O.R.D. Were there missions before this? In the five-year span that people were missing, that they were gone, before they were snapped back to reality by the Hulk, S.W.O.R.D. was developed and the Fantastic Four flight that was doused in cosmic rays already happened. So is there a Fantastic Four in the world somewhere in the Marvel Cinematic World that we just haven't met yet? I mean, what a wonderful, what a wonderful world building. So they could make movies and they could make shows that happened in that five-year gap and not mess up the continuity at all. That is unexplored territory. And it's happened after most of the movies. I mean, besides Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. So you've got a lot, a lot of play there. And I am sure that they will make room with that play. They said the world's changed too in WandaVision. That's weird. The world's changed since you've been gone, Monica. Um, so Monica's, she's, she's grounded. She's not allowed to go on space flights right now. Instead, she is sent off to, to help, uh, Jimmy Woo, an FBI agent from Ant-Man. And a lot of people on the internet are pretty wild about, wild about this too, because he learned the card trick that Paul Rudd's character, Scott Lang taught him in Ant-Man. Uh, she's sent to help him out. They find out that the place that his person in witness protection uh, does not exist. Westview. There's some police officers guarding Westview and they're like, no, we're from Eastview where they can very clearly see the sign that says Westview. And the missing person that Jimmy Woo was trying to find, he's under witness protection and he's called all of his family and friends and none of them remember who he is. He doesn't exist to them. So this is very, very strange. Uh, so they send in a drone into Westview and it disappears into the force field, into the anomaly that most likely Wanda is creating. And it's funny because they pulled it out and it looks like a little drone helicopter. And I'm like, okay, you didn't have to be that on the nose. You could have pulled out a red and yellow drone and we would have picked up the hint that you turned it into a helicopter, Wanda, when it came in. But anyway, flies his drone helicopter in, it disappears. Then Monica, she goes to touch the barrier. She gets sucked in. Jimmy Woo's like, oh, shit. So they, he calls in all these experts and everybody calls in uh, Darcy Lewis. She shows up and she's no longer an intern. She's a full-fledged doctor and she shows up with someone who is a, I don't know what they are. There's a, a person that's an AI developer, someone that works with radiation. She's like a physicist. Um, but she shows up to help and she's like, yeah, they don't know who, what they're dealing with because we're all coming here 
and we are a mismatch of of people uh so they're kind of kind of just flinging everything against the wall to see if it sticks they don't know what it is but she finds out that this barrier has uh cmbr which is cosmic microwave background radiation and they explain it in the show but also uh this is the kind of radiation the quote fossil radiation that's a remnant of the first light that could ever freely travel through the universe. Uh, it, it was said to be released soon after the big bang and the creation of the universe itself. And so, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, I think Darcy Lewis said it, shoot Darcy in the episode, uh, said that the, Maybe she's making a universe of her own. And so she picks up a frequency off this uh, CMBR and she finds out that it's emitting a broadcast. And she has the agents pick her up an old TV and she plugs it in. And sure as shit, they're all watching WandaVision now. And they start kind of sussing out, sussing out the answers. <laughs> and so they, they send that guy... Uh, who's in like a hazmat suit. They send him down in the sewers and he's crawling through the sewers. And as he breaks through the barrier, his lifeline turns into like one of those old jump ropes, <laughs> the multicolored jump ropes that we used to use in gym. And he goes through the barrier and his hazmat suit turns into the beekeeper outfit that we saw. Was it episode one or two maybe? And he crawls up and we see the other side of the episode where Wanda and Vision are standing out on the sidewalk. They see him. She says no and rewinds. We still don't know what happened to that guy. Like we know what happened to Monica. She got kicked out. We see her at the end of the episode, but we don't, uh, we don't see what happened to this guy. So that's kind of a thread that's left hanging there. One of the things that does do though, is a lot of people were theorizing that that was going to be Mephisto or it was going to be a maybe avatar of Mephisto, which it most obviously is not now. It's just another sword agent that got wrapped up into the thing. So we still have yet to see confirmation that Mephisto is there. He's not ruled out yet, but he just he's not he's not in the episode so far or in the show so far. So as they're watching this show, they are realizing that these these actors are actual people and they're putting identification to them and they're pulling them, putting them on a board. They're writing down a bunch of questions on the board. They're like, what is this? You know, why is is vision alive now or what is going on? So they then they're asking all of the questions that we've been asking as we've been watching the show. They're identifying the townspeople and they're like this, the the person that plays uh, Herb is this person actually, but they haven't identified Agnes yet. And so that bodes well for the possibility of her being Agatha Harkness still. So we still have that option for her. It, it would be a real shame if they went through this entire show and there was no there was no crazy like demonic energy aka a mephisto or a ghost rider or something like that 
it would be a shame that they they decide not to develop a witch named Agatha Harkness that could expand the MCU into unheard of territory. It'd be a shame if they just said this is Wanda's way of coping with her depression. She did this. She's figured it out. It's all over. This show has a very serious potential to expand the universe in a way that we haven't seen or haven't had the option to do yet. So I hope they do not waste it with some contrived same, same nonsense. It's not playing out like that right now, but there's a very real potential and opportunity for them to do something like that. Uh, as they're, as they're watching, as uh, Jimmy and Darcy are watching the, the WandaVision show, they see Geraldine, they see Monica Rambeau in the show, and they're like, oh, shoot, there she is. Um, they, uh, they don't see it, but we see what happened to Monica Rambeau after she confronted Wanda about her brother being killed by Ultron. And it wasn't great. <laughs> Wanda was like, who are you? And... Geraldine, Monica Rambeau, was like, hey, let me take care of those babies. Let me help you out. And Scarlet Witch was like, no. Who are you? What you doing in my house? What you doing in my town? And she whipped up her magic and she threw her through several walls across a field and out the barrier to where we saw her ejected last time. And... um Wanda's there fixing the wall. She's thinking about everything. Vision comes in in the background, kind of blurry. You can't really see him. And he's like, is everything all right? She's like, yeah, everything is fine. And she turns around and Vision is grayed out as hell. His eyes are white and he's got a smashed in forehead. Like he just got an infinity stone plucked out his forehead by Thanos. And she looks down. She goes, oh, and man, I gasped. When I saw that, I was like, <gasps> Vision, you did. And then she turned back around after she fixed everything and he was back to normal. She's like, everything's fine. He's like, you know, we can go. We can go wherever we want. And she says, no, no, we can't. I've got things under control. I've got this. What should we watch tonight? And they sit down and watch a show. And also... Darcy and Jimmy are watching this broadcast. They see Monica's confrontation with Wanda and then the show cuts instead of showing her being thrown out. It cuts to the credits where Wanda and vision are on the couch with their babies watching TV. So they're like, someone is censoring this broadcast. Who could that be? Could that be Agatha? Could it be Mephisto? Could it be Dr. Strange? And then in the end, um, you know, Monica Rambo's laying down, getting checked out by the medics outside of the barrier. And she says, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda, which seems like a huge red herring to be throwing out there in the middle of the season. It's not Wanda. It's someone else. I mean, Wanda's doing it, part of it, some of it. We know the townsfolk are actually really real people now. So that's good to know. I mean... <laughs> They could have been fictitious. Are they being mind controlled or are they doing this act under duress? Or do they not remember who they are? It's Friday. 
This is the Friday show, so we've got another episode of WandaVision out today, so you most likely know the answers to all of these questions that I have from yesterday. Regardless, that's the end of the show. I I hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking about it with you, and I will continue to talk about these episodes as they come out. Uh, As always, stay tuned after the weekend because you've got another episode of the Monday Madness Show coming your way. Don't forget to interact with us. Leave us a review on the streaming platform of your choice. It's easy to do, and it helps us considerably. Remember, we've made 100 of these episodes for you. The least you could do is leave us a review. Interact with us on Facebook at CultureJacked, Twitter at CultureJacked, or send us an email, culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. That's all I've got for the show today, ladies and gents. Please enjoy your weekend. We will see you next week. Cheers.